It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The hospital authority expresses concern over the number of COVID-related hospitalizations. The Secretary for the Civil Service says more than 2,200 toddlers have received the Sinovac jab and the chief executive says Hong Kong needs to grab international talent for the IT sector. The hospital authority has warned of what it calls a rather worrying increase in people who need to be hospitalised over COVID-19. The warning comes as health officials reported over 4,100 local infections. Erin Tam reports. The authority says that over 200 COVID patients had been admitted to hospital on each of the past two days. It noted this was several dozen more than the daily average a few weeks ago. Speaking at a press briefing, a chief manager at the authority, Gladys Kwan, said half of those admitted on Thursday were aged 60 and above and about 20 were toddlers. People in these two age groups have relatively weaker immunity. If they're infected, it's more likely for them to develop serious illnesses or die. The most effective way to prevent that is to inoculate them against COVID. At present, 1,542 COVID patients are being treated in hospital, including seven in intensive care. There has been one more death, that of an 85-year-old woman. Hong Kong has recorded 4,376 new COVID cases, including 196 imported infections. The Secretary for the Civil Service, Ingrid Young, says more than 2,200 children aged between six months and three years have been given the Sinovac jab since it became available to the age group a week ago. But she admitted there's no news yet on providing parents with more choice of vaccines, as Timmy Sung reports. The Civil Service Chief reviewed the figure for the vaccination of young children on an anti-HK program. She said around 45% of the kids were inoculated in private clinics. The Sinovac jabs are currently available to younger children at five community vaccination centres, designated government outpatient clinics and private doctors. Ms. Jiang announced that the Yi Community Vaccination Centre and the Hong Kong Children's Hospital are being added to the list, with bookings to open on Friday for vaccination at the start of next week. She also said from Monday, parents of young children who regularly use the maternal or child health centres can opt to have them vaccinated against COVID at the same time. But on sourcing beyond tech, Ms. Yuan didn't have any positive news. She said the government is still in talks with the manufacturer over the purchase of doses made especially for babies and toddlers. I know that some parents hope to have more vaccine choices, but experts have told us that Sinovac is a very safe vaccine. For parents who want to provide protection for their children sooner, don't hesitate and have them vaccinated with this vaccine now. The civil service chief said the government has not set any target for the vaccination rate of young children, but it hopes that everyone who should get a jab does so. When the summer holiday ends, she said the government will arrange outreach vaccination programs at kindergartens. Chief Executive John Lee says Hong Kong needs to grab international talent in innovation and technology. He told an IT summit this was among the views he collected in recent consultation sessions for his policy address and is something he fully agrees with.
Some of the people said in online sessions that as Hong Kong enters the key moment of moving from stability to prosperity, we should focus on developing innovation and technology and seize the moment in attracting top talent to come here. We should grab them. I will introduce measures and give my views on the matter in the policy address. A representative of subsidised schools says he does not think the new Amber Code health policy will cause much disruption. The code is given to inbound travellers when they finish three nights hotel quarantine to show they're still under medical surveillance for four more days. Dion Chen, chairman of the Direct Subsidy Schools Scheme Council, says he doesn't think many students or teachers from local schools will have left Hong Kong recently. To the weather forecast, it'll be cloudy with showers and a few squally thunderstorms. Those showers will be heavier at times tomorrow. Temperatures in the region of 25 to 29 degrees with moderate southeasterly winds. The outlook, still a few more showers on Saturday, but sunny periods in the following couple of days. Currently 26 degrees, humidity 92%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is now 5 minutes past 11. The MTR Corporation has reported a 77% jump in profits in the first half of the year. It said profits from several property development projects were behind the earnings boost, even though the local rail business had suffered a loss. Frank Young reports. The company posted a net profit of $4.7 billion, despite losses in its Hong Kong rail business, as the fifth wave of COVID infections led to a drop in passenger numbers. The rail business suffered a loss of nearly $2.8 billion, but a $7.7 billion profit from property development helped the railway firm stay firmly in the black. Jacob Cam, the corporation's CEO, said passenger numbers fell by almost 12% in the first six months compared with the same period last year. The pandemic has severely affected the recurrent business income from the stations and shopping malls. The diversified business portfolio coupled with the RailPress property development model, plays a vital role in maintaining our financial stability and the long-term sustainable development of the corporation. Mr. Kam also pointed out that the extension projects of the Tunma Line and Tongchong Line are set to begin next year. He added the upgrade of the signaling system of its four urban lines is still in progress, with no timetable yet when they will come online after years of delay following a train crash during an overnight test of the system in 2019. He stressed the MTR is looking at possible alternatives to try to accelerate the process. Meanwhile, MTR officials said an economic environment of rising interest rates and inflation would affect the company's business. But finance director Herbert Hoy pointed out that a majority of the firm's debt is on fixed interest rates. He added the fair adjustment mechanism, which takes into account changes in inflation and wages, may help to offset some of the negative effects of higher rates. The latest official figures show Hong Kong's population has dropped by 121,500 or 1.6% to less than 7.3 million over the past year. The government said more than 110,000 people had left the SAR for various reasons, including work and study, and it doesn't have exact figures on emigration. A spokesperson said that drop could also be attributed to natural attrition, where the number of deaths outstrips births. University of Hong Kong population expert Professor Paul Yip says the outflow of people will have an impact on the territory. These net outflows, I think, would have some significant impact, I think, to the workforce 
in Hong Kong, and also subsequently, I think that might have impact on the economic development. I think in Hong Kong as well, and also because of the aging situation, I think it will impose a higher financial burden in terms of the social and the healthcare support. I think to the elderly population. A study conducted by University of Hong Kong researchers has suggested young people in Hong Kong have a dim outlook on society, but refuse to lie flat, meaning doing the bare minimum to get by. Scholars from HKU's social work and social administration department said they had spoken to about 20 young people earlier this year and found half described themselves as motivated. Dr. Johnson Jung, who led the study, urged authorities to step up their work on young people, noting many. Respondents have no plans to leave the city in the near future. They do not feel absolutely hopeless on themselves, and for some of them, they still think that Hong Kong have the chance for them to do what they want to do. They still think that Hong Kongs have the opportunities, even though at this point they are not sure whether I will go to other places. I want I will go to mainland or I will stay in Hong Kong. Even though they don't have a concrete plan, they still think that they can do something for themselves at this point. The food expo is underway at the convention and exhibition centre in Wan Chai, with visitors expressing mixed views on the product tasting ban, which is in force for a second year due to the pandemic. Some flouted pandemic distancing rules to queue up overnight to be among the first to get into the five-day event, as Vanessa Cheng reports. One of the first in to the food expo was a woman who said she'd queued up for three days to get a ticket for a competition. Only the first ten entrants got to play, and it paid off for the woman as she and one of the other early birds each won 150 cans of abalone. She said she wasn't worried about being unable to eat so many of the gastropod mollusks, promising to share them with her relatives. Such competitions were one way of attracting customers in the absence of food tasting. Other vendors let the aromas of their products. Wafted across the exhibition center to entice people in. One selling coffee products told RHK the tasting ban was affecting sales, so he'd adopted a different promotional strategy. It's hard for us to compete because everyone is selling packed coffee beans. I'm demonstrating roasting here. They can't taste, but they can see how it's doing. So I can give a brand new experience to our customers, give them more confidence on our products. More than 90% of exhibitors are accepting at least one payment method for the government's latest consumption vouchers. Mr. Chen, who was buying mooncakes with his e-vouchers, said the tasting ban did not affect him. Maybe this is the policy for the COVID-19. This is a good policy because the sixth wave is coming now. Cannot eat inside is good for the pandemic. This has stimulated the economy in Hong Kong. However, another visitor surnamed Yang says she hopes the tasting ban will be lifted next year. Several COVID-hit mainland cities from east to west have imposed fresh restrictions and lockdowns on residents to contain flare-ups of the virus. 
But this time, authorities are said to be imposing a softer type of lockdown by reducing people's unnecessary movements for just a few days. Natalie Ching reports. The Eastern Export and Manufacturing Hub Yi Wu says it will impose three days of what it called silent management. It will see most of its residents banned from leaving specific areas, with some confined to their homes. Yi Wu's 1.9 million people join millions of others across several cities whose movements are curtailed largely to residential compounds. Unless they have to go out for COVID tests, grocery shopping, or hospital visits, companies with employees who can work on closed campuses can still operate. While all public venues will be closed over the three days, excluding hospitals and places offering essential services. In Western Xinjiang, three COVID-hit cities in the Aksu area are allowing residents to go to work, but restricting everyone else to essential movements only. However, key districts in Urumqi have been under a five-day lockdown since Wednesday. Coronavirus clusters in the tourism hotspots of Hainan and Tibet have continued to expand, with affected cities in both under lockdown. But infection numbers are still relatively small. The National Health Commission confirmed 1,993 for Wednesday. There were no new deaths. The North Korean leader Kim Jong Un has declared victory over COVID-19 and ordered preventive measures eased just three months after acknowledging an outbreak. He was addressing a meeting of health workers and scientists. Dear workers in the quarantine and health sectors across the country, party leaders and military commanders dispatched to the border and coastal regions, National Emergency Defence Command, commanders of the Emergency Defence Corps, Regiment and Battalion, supporters who contributed to the quarantine projects and our comrades. The long-suffering quarantine war has come to an end, and today we finally declare a victory. Meanwhile, at the same meeting, the leader's sister Kim Yo Jong blamed the outbreak in the north on leaflets flown across the border from South Korea. What matters is the fact that the South Korean puppets are still thrusting leafless and dirty objects into our territory. The main culprit who gravely violated our people's safety, inflicted pains and caused anxiety to millions of parents in our country, who had to endure all the hardships to protect the lives of the precious children were the despicable South Koreans. We have cleared out the virus spread by the South Korean scum. We must counter it toughly. We have already considered various counteraction plans, but our countermeasure must be a deadly and retaliatory one. The South has expressed strong regret over North Korea's extremely disrespectful and threatening comments that were based on ridiculous claims about the source of the infections. A reminder of our top stories tonight, the hospital authority expresses concern over the number of COVID-related hospitalizations. The Secretary for the Civil Service says more than 2,200 toddlers have received the Sinovac jab and the Chief Executive says Hong Kong needs to grab international talent for the IT sector. The news from RTHK. Listening to Peter King.
believe it, around the world in 1976, Tina Charles, try they called I Love to Love. You know her first single, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, the first single she put out was about 1969. And guess who was playing the piano? Elton John. Really? She's also doing backing vocals for uh, Steve Harley and Cockney Rebels' Make Me Smile, along with her mate uh, Linda Lewis, if I remember correctly. Into our second hour this Thursday night, our magical mystery tour continues with a song from Stevie Wonder. <laughs> 